to This is the Day with Pastor Wade Scarborough. It is our prayer that something is said or done to make your walk through this journey called life a little lighter and brighter. You can follow Pastor Wade at Real Pastor Wade on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. He looks forward to walking with you on this journey together to breakthrough, victory, redemption. Pastor Wade is anointed and experienced in multiple areas of life. God uses him to have us look at our challenges in ways we may never have seen before. Now the moment we've all been waiting for, Pastor Wade Scarborough. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to This is the Day with Pastor Wade Scarborough. It is an honor and privilege, as always, that you have taken the time out of your life to walk with me on this journey that we call life. For those that are joining us for the very first time, I never, ever, 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 ever take that lightly. I just want to welcome you and let you know what This is the Day is all about. This show is about discussing various topics that in the church they do not talk about on a Sunday or at a Bible study or shut down from talking about altogether because of the sensitive nature of the subject. All of us, no matter what you think, feel, or believe, without judgment, will not be made to feel like your feelings or opinion are not valid, and we can have an honest, free discussion here on This Is The Day with Pastor Wade. All right now, let's continue our conversation about relationships, whether it be personal, romantic, business, or spiritual. We're almost done. We're going over principle nine today. Then the last one on this series will be principle 10. Always remember, everything begins and ends with relationships. Even that, you guessed it, say it with me, that so-called self-made millionaire. There is no such thing. Why? Because the, even the self-made millionaire has to have customers. They has to have people. No matter what field you're in, whether you're single or married, a relationship will have to be formed to get from where you are to where you want to be. As you heard me say many times before, we are all created to be in relationship or in connection with other people. If you ever want to know uh, where you are in your life, start evaluating yourself, start grading the quality of your relationships. And I hope during this series, you've been really doing that, especially in this time of isolation and quarantine. This is the best time to evaluate your, yourself, evaluate your relationship to others, relationship to life, relationship to God, just all your relationships. Period. Trust me, I found out many things about relationships I thought I had with people and relationships that I didn't think I have, but now I really have. So I'm telling you, you'll, this is a time of self-examination and also discovery in many areas. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get into principle nine for successful relationships, let's review what we covered for those joining us for the very first time. Is that all right? I know somebody said that's all right. Listen to this series over and over again. I promise you, you'll pick up uh, new stuff you forgot or you didn't hear the very first time. Even I, while we're having these conversations, I still learn every single time I teach this series. Always remember in episode one through six, we discussed uh, eight principles for a successful relationship, which are uh, the principle of agreement, uh, the principle connecting to uh, the great, the principle of covenant, purpose, exclusivity, transparency, mutual benefit, and principle eight in the last episode, which was the principle of sacrifice. Yeah, that was a tough one for a lot of people. I barely got any feedback on that one. That sacrifice one was rough because I know sacrifice is tough, but in anything that you want to succeed, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. So what do we discuss about sacrifice in principle eight? In that conversation, remember we said sacrifice is to surrender or give up for the sake of something else. 
versus compromise. You know, we always say, oh, a relationship takes compromise. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, a compromise is a settlement of differences by uh, mutual concessions. You know, a lot of mutual concessions are made. And also it's an agreement reached by an adjustment of conflicting or opposing claims or principles. But we also said sacrifice is the glue that holds all successful relationships together. So also, we, what did we say? We said the willingness to sacrifice is the proof that all selfishness, all selfishness, I don't care in the Greek, the Hebrew, the Latin, all mean all. All selfishness is extinct in your life. So is, wouldn't that be a great thing that we can have proof that there is no selfishness in our relationship? Good God Almighty. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. You must also be willing to sacrifice your own agenda, visions, and goals, or it would be difficult to experience joy at full capacity and fulfillment. Now, some of you may take that out of context, like, what do you mean talk about uh, sacrificing my vision and goals? No, I'm not talking about it in that way. But sometimes to get from where you are to where you want to be, your own agenda is the key phrase in that. Sometimes we have our own wills, our own agendas that can get in the way of having or reaching that full capacity of the relationship, that full fulfillment of a relationship. So sometimes sacrificing your agenda may be the key. Oh boy, somebody don't like me already. And we just reviewing right now. Good. Somebody just looking at the screen right now. Go, what is he talking about? But let's keep going. Also, we said a uh, relationship or the principle of sacrifice is the great example of sacrifice is what Christ did for humanity, laying down his life so we could connect to the great, which is the father. Look, there's nothing like when God manifested himself through Christ and he came down in human form out of heaven where streets are paved with gold, where angels sing hallelujah and giving praise and worship all day to come down to save us. That is the ultimate sacrifice. Talking about laying down your own agenda. Good God Almighty. If it's good for Jesus, it should be good for us. Also, the greatest expression of a general motive of giving is self-sacrifice. Look, that was one of the big, biggest quotes of the last section. Uh, there was uh, some people that have been very loyal. Uh, one of a good friend of mine, uh, that was one of the biggest things that she picked up on that was huge for her. She said the greatest expression of a general motive of giving is self-sacrifice. And, and it's really the truth. If you really want to know that, great, that greatest expression of self-sacrifice, it's a very genuine thing that you do when you're able to do that. Sacrifice is also what we say is necessary to a relationship as pain is to building one's personal character. My goodness. Nobody said this was going to be easy. Nobody said, uh, nobody, I, what did I say? Nobody wakes up and go, hey, I want to sacrifice today. You know, sacrifice, look, it, it, it mm, I don't even have any words for that. Sacrifice is just necessary. It's just necessary to relationship. I mean, as pain is to building on one's character, as pain is to going to the gym. If you want that body to transform, you're going to have to sacrifice some stuff. You're going to have to sacrifice some of them calories. You go, uh-oh, I'm sorry. I said the wrong thing. You're going to have to sacrifice overeating. Oh, boy. You're going to have to sacrifice what you're doing your own agenda of how you want to eat and eat properly and also work the body out at the same time. It's going to take some kind of sacrifice. Well, if it takes sacrifice like like that with your body in the gym, it's also the same way in a relationship. You got to work those relational muscles. My goodness, boy, this is going to be a tough one already. And we are reviewing right now. Also, what do we say? Sacrifice and pain are neither desirable nor enjoyable, but both are both 
unavoidable if two if you are to grow and have success in life and relationships. So you got to remember, sacrifice and pain. Look, it ain't the most desirable thing in the world, and neither is it always enjoyable. But if you really, 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 really want to grow and have success in life, these are unavoidable things. Sacrifice and pain, some kind of discomfort is going to have to happen. I know it's tough. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we shall fear no evil for God is with us. His rod and his staff shall comfort us. Then after we get there, he prepares the table in the presence of our enemies. Now that's tough right there, being in the presence of your enemies. And guess who the first enemy at the table is? Yourself. Then after you are able to sit at that table of reason and then in the presence of all your enemies, as they're seeing you transform, as they're seeing you sit there and be under the fire, then God anoints your head with the oil. Then here comes the overflow. Your cup runneth over. And then he gave you a guarantee. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You got to understand this comes with a price. It is unavoidable. Sacrifice and pain or some kind of discomfort. Also, we said successful relationship would cost you a significant price. You must be willing to pay that price if you want to open the door uh, to your future. Look, look, look. Some of you guys want to go big places. I know a lot of you guys personally. Some of you I don't know personally at all. But look, a lot of people have dreams, goals, and aspirations. Well, wherever you're trying to go, remember I told told you about uh, my friend Dr. TB. Look, she wanted to be a doctor. She wanted to be a PhD. Look, in order for her to get there to her divine destiny, she had to make some sacrifices. I know another doctor. Look, man, he went to MIT. Good God Almighty, brother that graduated from MIT. MIT, y'all. But look, in order for him to do that, man, and his motto is he wants to change the world one molecule at a time. But look, in order for him to do that, there had to be some sacrifices made in order for him to get there. MIT, are you guys kidding me? Man, sacrifice had to be made. Also, we said in principle eight, for successful relationship, sacrifice is the road traveled on the journey to your divine destiny. Look, whatever road you're trying to get to, whatever your destiny is trying to get to, is going to be on the road of sacrifice. There's going to be many sacrifices. Sometimes you're going to be sacrificing uh, some relationships because everybody can't go where you're going. Sometimes you're going to be sacrificing your time because you're going to be putting all your time and energy to try to get to where you're going. Look, there's a lot of sacrifices you're going to make. That's the road to get to your destiny. Also, remember, we said there's four things about the principle of sacrifice and also two things that are the enemies of sacrifice. We said one thing is any relationship worth pursuing is worth pursuing with abandonment. Remember, I said 80 percent of your energy when you're trying to really pursue a relationship that is going to get you from where you are to where you want to be. You're going to put at least about 80 percent of your effort into it. Also, we said the value you place upon any relationship is immediately revealed by the price you are willing to pay for it. Remember, we said uh, in uh, Luke, uh, a good measure. Look, you're going to have to give a good measure. Press down, shaking together, running over. Shall a man pour into your lap? I love that passage because remember, look, God is doing the judging on who's given the good measure. Then based on your good measure, that's how it's going to come back to you. Then remember, because you are in a relationship with somebody, look, both of you guys are going to be able to pour into each other. My 
goodness, I hope somebody got that again. Also, we said, if you're willing to pay a great price for the relationship is proof you love or someone loves you greatly. Look, 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 look. I know some of y'all out there like expensive stuff. And look, I know we can find uh, great deals on things that are not expensive. They, that some things are made with good material just because they don't cost as much. But there is a phrase, you get what you pay for. And if you're willing to pay a great price for a relationship, that's proof that you love. And then if somebody's willing to do it for you, that's proof that someone loves you greatly. My God, I hope this is helping somebody. Also, we said number three, any relationship that is not maintained soon becomes non-existent. Remember we gave that thing to when people say the grass is green on the other side, which is not true. The grass is only green where you water it. Look, we talked about uh, that the person that um, if you don't sit there and nurture and pour into the relationship, if you don't pursue the relationship, it is eventually going to die because it's just going to grow any kind of, kind of way or you're going to become ir- irrelevant that they're going to disregard you. Oh, boy, they don't like that right there. Also, we said what have you said about the enemies of sacrifice? Comfort was one. Also, we said if you're too comfortable in a relationship, you can become familiar. Sometimes we become familiar, too familiar with each other. And even though uh, if you're married or whether you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, business relationships, sometimes we can come too familiar. And when you come too familiar with something, sometimes you start to lose the respect level because you're just used to it. We start to fall in that taking it for granted. My God. Also, comfort will lead you eventually to either you disregarding the person or they disregarding you. That's another thing why you don't want to get too comfortable. Sometimes you still want to be on the edge on that relationship, that edge of making sure that you're nurturing it properly, that uh, there's mutual benefit. You want to do all the things about uh, that is we talked about in all the principles, whether it be agreement, whether it be connecting to people that are great, whether it be exclusivity, transparency. Remember that thing about integrity. There's so many things that you want to keep practicing to maintain those relationships and not get too comfortable. Also, what would you say about disregard? Disregard means to ignore and not pay attention to someone. If you take a person for granted, you will never pay attention to them. Disregard means to treat someone with lack of respect. Keep the respect level high in your relationship. No matter you value, no matter how long you have had them. So look, just because you've been in, uh, uh, I know a couple, one of my mentors, he's an elder at church, good friend of mine as well, a father figure to me, but him and his wife have been married over 40 years. But one thing that I can see is there in their marriage is they're not just because they've been together too long. They're not comfortable into the way they don't have a high respect level for each other. And that is so uh, refreshing to see as people that have been ma- married for over 40 years. So you can't get too comfortable no matter how long you've been together. Also, we said convenience was an enemy of of, of sacrifice. Convenience means the quality of being easy useful or increasing comfort, something that makes life easier or more comfortable. Remember, we said you don't want your relationships to be convenient. We said about relationships. What did we say? In previous relationships, there are rules to enter and also to remain in relationship. Look, the way you got into relationship, that was great. But in order to maintain the relationship and stay in the relationship, there are going to be rules 
uh, added or amended or adjusted as you go. Look, there are some rules when you boyfriend and girlfriend uh, to be into that relationship that are not necessarily uh, at the level of marriage. Now, once you move into marriage, some of the rules re- will remain and apply. But some rules will be amended and go to the next level. So there are rules to enter and remain in any business relationship. Look, you may enter a business relationship and the partnership, the agreement may change. One may uh, uh, sell out the business to the other. Look, the same way y'all got into the relationship, contracts get amended all day, every day. So understand this, don't get too comfortable uh, or make the relationship too convenient. Also, we said the fourth thing was the prize is always better than the price. Anything, anything that is worth working for, it is really about the prize at the end. It's not always about the price you pay because you're going to pay prices or there's consequences or prices to pay for good things and bad things. You're going to pay either way. You might as well do things decently and in order and things that have mutual benefit, mutual obligation uh, with your mutual pursuit. You might as well do it that way because look, if to make bad choices in relationship, you're going to pay for those. And those are heavy prices to pay. I'd rather pay for doing what's right and what's good in relationship and knowing I did the right thing. And if it still falls apart, that means being the other person that goes back to the number one principle of relationship agreement. That means we fell out of agreement somewhere. Oh, boy. Let's keep going. We also said the price of successful relationships can at times seem insurmountable and impossible to satisfy. Look, look, it may be, you may be looking at relationship. Ooh, this take too much work, Pastor Wade. Jesus, what am I going to do? Look, you just keep going. I love when people say uh, uh, marriage is hard. Marriage is not hard. Marriage is daily work. And that's the thing about uh, in a marriage. You got to be present daily. You can't just, there's no, you heard me say, there's no PTO time. There's no sick time request. There's no, I'm going to put the marriage aside today. There's none of that. You got to be present every day. Now, I'm not saying in a marriage, uh, you may need to take some alone time, like go for a drive or, or uh, you know, just have some quiet time. I'm not saying that, but you still have to be present in your marriage every day. Also, we got to be in love with always making someone better and not bitter. And remember, I said that's a debt that can never, never, ever, ever be satisfied. The whole goal of relationship, any relationships that we have, the goal should always be to make somebody better and not bitter. If we're not making somebody better, everybody say it with me now. Why do we keep the relationship? Ladies and gentlemen, today's show is another critical show because of the climate we live in at this moment in time. Healthy relationships are important today more than ever before. On this show, you know we keep it real. We, You know we keep it 100 and can have a real conversation without judgment or prejudice. The reason why there is such a cultural divide in the United States of America is because of broken relationships. If truth be told, we are all born into broken relationships, which is with God because of sin. My goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, we're going to take off right now. And you know, in this plane, we always take off together. Make sure your seat and the tray tables are in their upright positions. If you're listening with somebody, look at them and say, you ready? And now you look back at them and say, I'm ready. Then let's go.
the moment y'all been waiting for. Principle nine. Uh, what's principle nine? I'm glad you asked everybody. Principle nine for successful relationship is a word called synergy. Ah, yes, synergy. What does synergy mean, Pastor Wade? I'm glad you asked. Synergy means the interaction of elements that or people that when combined produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual. Oh, let me say that again. Let me help somebody. We could just stop the show, pause the show right there. Synergy is the interaction of elements or people that when combined produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual. Listen, listen, y'all. Your relationships should be having synergy that is greater than the individuals in the relationship. Look, you're supposed to be producing relationships that is going somewhere. But guess what? How Remember we said, how can two walk together unless they agree to do so? Creating that synergy together. Remember this. You need other people to become what you need to be. Oh, you, somebody better hashtag that. Somebody better put that on their Facebook stories, Instagram stories. You better text that to people. You better put that everywhere. You need other people to become what you need to be. I don't care what you are trying to become. You're going to have to synergy with somebody. You're going to have to connect with somebody in some way, shape, or form to get from where you are to where you want to be. Even my friends, I told you, that became doctors, all that kind of stuff. Listen, they still had to have some support of some people. Some people still had to encourage them. There were some relationships that they had that kept them going, even if it was with classmates. There were people that were connected to them that helped them to get from where they need to be. So... You need other people to become what you need to be. Principle nine of synergy says one can put a thousand to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. Oh my goodness. Let's go to the Ecclesiastes four, nine through 12. And it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all can just stop right there. I didn't write it. I can't even take credit for it. It says two are better than one. Solomon, behind Jesus, is the wisest man that has lived on this planet. He said two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Then he also said, for if they fall, one will lift his companion. Ladies and gentlemen, you need somebody because just in case you fall, and you will. Oh, my goodness. Somebody just said, somebody religious just said, don't speak that in my life. Well, praise the Lord. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. We all going to go through that valley experience one way or another. We all going to fall one way or another. It says all have sinned and fallen short. So skip what you're talking about. Look, we all going to fall and we are going to need somebody to help lift us up. That's why two is better than one. That's why if you have a synergy with somebody, my God, I, I don't even... Look, I want to just dance up and down while I'm just telling this to you right now. And then it also says, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. There is nothing like when you fall and you're alone. Ain't nobody there to help you up. My goodness. And then it says again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone through though one may be overpowered by another two can withstand him and a threefold bind is is not easily broken listen 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 
The Bible also says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. Listen, when people have synergy and they're going in one direction, I'm telling you, there's nothing that you can't accomplish in a relationship when everybody's in agreement going one bit one way i love the movie called Drumline, and the whole premise of the movie was one band one sound it didn't matter how many people were in the drum line or in the chorus or in the band it had to sound like one instrument and that's how a relationship should be one band, one sound. You can still be individual, still have your own thoughts, still have your own perceptions. You don't have to compromise who you have because if everybody has one band, one sound, that means you're also finding people with the same moral and ethical code. I'm telling you, two are better than one when you create that synergy. Also, remember this. Watch this. God has not called us to independence, but he has called us to interdependence. And what does interdependence mean, Pastor Way? I'm glad you asked. Interdependence means mutual mutual reliant on each other. There's that word mutual again. Let me get this straight. So God has not called us to be independent. Oh, uh, I'm He-Man, hear me roar, or I'm Shiro, I can do this all by myself. No. He has called us to be interdependent of each other. That means mutually reliant on each other. The last time I checked, when you go back to Genesis with Adam and Eve, even though Adam was there first, Adam by divine right has headship. And then when Eve came, God said, now you guys have, you rule and have dominion. So have synergy together. But Adam, you're going to have headship because I gave you that divine right. Then as woman, you are there to be the influencer in the relationship. You need to influence him and make sure his decisions are for the good. Oh my goodness. In order for that to happen, everybody has to play a role. Then you're creating a synergy when everybody's playing that role and and mutually agree and then mutually reliant on each other. My God, I hope this is helping somebody. This is helping me. Proverbs 18.01 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. My God, he rages against all wise judgment. Oh, do not even need, ladies and gentlemen, any kind of exegesis right now. It says a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. So if you want to be the loner, always by yourself, not bouncing your ideas off people, you know, look, you can do that. But after a while, because you don't have any good feedback, you're only talking to yourself. So that means eventually you're just going to seek what you want anyway, your own agenda. Oh, boy. First Corinthians 12, 14 through 20 says, here we go. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Oh, boy. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. It is therefore not of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be? (laughs) It just makes me laugh, ladies and gentlemen, just just looking at this scripture. Where would we be? Where would the hearing come from, the Bible say? If the whole were the hearing, where would the smelling be? So if everything is the ear and then there's no nose, how can you smell? It also says, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if there were all one member, where would the body be? 
but now indeed there are many members, but yet one body. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand when you're talking about synergy, everybody has their own talents and gifts. Everything, everybody has uh, something that they bring to the table. Let me tell you this, and it doesn't matter how big or small you think your role is. Let's take your pinky toe for a minute. I'm going to tell you how important the pinky toe is. Pinky toe is so important. If you was to cut off your pinky toe, you would have a noticeable limp. And some people would just fall over because there's something about that little toe that just keeps you balanced. And to say that it's not important, what happens is when you look at the whole body, not only is that pinky toe important, but man, the, your thumb is important, your eyes are important, your nose are important, your eyes are important, ears are important, all of it is important. It works together. The whole body works in synergy with each other. That's how important it is for us to be in synergy relationships with each other. That's how important it is. It's all relevant. It's all important. I know we got this thing in society. We put a level of importance over one thing than the other. But trust me when I tell you, it is all important. When you just look at your body alone, if you want to know how to have successful relationship, look at how your body has is, is like in this cosmic dance. It's called pyrokeresis. It's in a cosmic dance with each other. Like you just think it and, you, and the body just starts doing it. It just starts to react. Whatever you say, whatever you think, whatever you speak, it just does. What if your relationships work symbiotically that way because of the synergy that was created? My God. Remember this. In order to have a relationship with one, you just may have to disconnect from another. Oh boy, I'm glad I am not looking at nobody with that one. I just hurt somebody's feelings with that one. It says in order to have a relationship with one, you may just have to disconnect from other, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get mad at me. I'm only the messenger. You know me. I'm just only a messenger. Second Corinthians 616. You can look that up for yourself, but I'm going to go to James 4.4. And it says, adulterers and adulteresses, do not do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Then Proverbs 13.20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Listen. You're, if in order to get from where you are to where you want to be, if you want to keep, if you have a high moral and ethical code, and you want your relationships to be successful, you can't be befriend or be friends or uh, be in partnership with a whole bunch of people. It won't work that way, because why? It even says in James four four, adulterers and adulteresses. Look, those are two different people. If you, especially if you're in the kingdom of God. If you're a child of God, if you believe in the almighty God, listen, having multiple partners, especially in relationships that are unethical and moral, is something God is, is really against. <laughs> also, when you look at Proverbs, it says, he who walks with wise men will be wise. So just to the simple fact that you're able to walk with wise men makes you wise. Just for the thought of it, because you're walking with wise people. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. So then if you're in 
an area where some fools are and you stay there, even though you wise, you're going to be destroyed because you in that you're having that companionship. You're in the area of fools. I'm look, I didn't write it. Don't don't get mad at me. Remember this. Intimacy doesn't give birth to change. Then any future relationship becomes unnecessary. My God, you know, you've heard me say this so many times. If intimacy does not give birth to change, then any future relationship becomes unnecessary. This also goes back to if we're not always trying to make somebody better, then why are we continuing these relationships that don't work? These second, third, fourth chances, oh, I'm going to change this, that, and the other. And guess what? It never really gives birth to any kind of change. I'm talking about friendships, business, romantic, any kind of relationships that you are having right now. If it doesn't give birth to change, then any future relationship becomes unnecessary. You've got to understand positive change in a person's life is the key that is the goal. That is one of the reasons why we're here. When you talk about even in the garden, Adam and Eve, the reason why God brought Eve forth, he said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. So what happens, Eve, I'm bringing you forth to be that influencer of life, that birthing canal of life, so you can make a positive change in Adam's life to continue in the direction and the path that I have him on. Oh, my God. God. It also says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the continents of his friend. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if intimacy doesn't give birth to change, then any future relationship becomes unnecessary. So if we iron is going to sharpen iron and a man sharpens the continents of his friends, the whole thing is about making someone better. And no matter what relationship you're in. But in order to do that, we got to have a synergy together. And oh boy, just in case you forgot what synergy meant, it meant an interaction of elements or people that when combined produces a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual. Oh my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stress that enough. Look, here's some food for thought ask you this question do you believe that it's going to take a relationship to get you from where you are to where you want to be really examine yourself and the relationships you have you can answer these questions or give thoughts in my comment section on this is the day facebook page or post your answers on my facebook instagram or twitter at real pastor wade and wade is spelled w-i-d and make sure you put hashtag this is the day all right ladies and gentlemen we're about to get into the meat of this principle we call synergy. I'm about to give you seven important people in your life. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Seven. We didn't went over nine features before. Uh, we're about to go into seven important people in your life. Some of them uh, you may have uh, heard me say before, but you're going to get the gist of it when I go over it in its totality. Seven important people in your life. You ready? I hope you're ready. Here we go. The first important person in your life is those that motivate you to obey. And what do I mean by that, Pastor Wade? I tell you exactly what I mean. Who are the people that motivate you to do the right thing? 
Oh my goodness. Do you have people around you that motivate you just to do things that are right? Just to be moral and ethical. Just to look, why do we, uh, for those that uh, work out and stuff like that, why do people get personal trainers sometimes? Because you need the person to motivate you to do the right thing, eat right, uh, do the right, excuse me, do the proper exercises. Remember, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's these three boys, friends. King Nebuchadnezzar built this uh, statue of gold and wanted everybody to worship the statue and bow down to it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, oh, no, we're not doing that. And here's what I love about it. This is why you want to have those that motivate you to obey, to do the right thing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you were supposed to bow down at a certain time or when you heard something at a certain moment, you're supposed to bow down. These three friends basically stood on their principles because they had the same moral ethical code because they believed in the same God because they were already in agreement with each other and they were not going to let each other fail. Iron sharpens iron. (laughs) They said, no, we will not bow down. So then they were thrown into the furnace and then they said, make the furnace hotter to burn them even more, make it even hotter. And then what happens? Jesus shows up. An angel of God shows up and they were not burned. They were thrown into the furnace. As a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar looked in the furnace and said, I thought there were only three. They said, yes, sire, there is. But he says, I see four. And then when he told them all to come out, it says their clothes did not even smell of smoke and they were not burned. But what happened here? God honored these three young men, these three friends, because they motivated each other to obey to motivate each other to do the right thing. You got to have people in your life that motivate you to do the right thing. Those people are invaluable. I'm, I don't care if it's your husband, it's your wife, you need to, look, business, personal, it doesn't matter. You have to have people that motivate you to do the right thing. My God. Second most important person in your life that you need to have of the set. Those who are guided by their character. Oh my God. So wait a minute. You got the first one is they got to motivate you to do the right thing. Then they got to have a great, be guided by their own great character. So let's talk about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Remember, we talked about that. We said, you know, Joseph, his his brother sold him and, uh, you know, into slavery and um, he ends up in Potiphar's house. Also, God was always with him because Joseph was a man of character and integrity. And so it doesn't matter whether Joseph was in jail, uh, where Joseph was in Potiphar's house. Joseph always seemed to rise to the top, always seemed to be put in charge. Even when it came to Pharaoh at the end, when he sold the dream, he was put second in command. And he said, the only person that would be above you is the throne. Here is Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife was coming on to him. She eventually accused him of rape because what happened is Joseph ended up leaving. She got him hemmed up in the corner one day after she kept begging and begging and begging. She got him hemmed up in the corner. Joseph ran out of his clothes, ran out of his coat, left his coat there. Then what happened is Potiphar's wife ended up telling her husband, hey, look, he tried to rape me and he tried to take advantage of me. He wanted to have sex with me. But here's the thing. This is how, why you want to be guided by those that have character. Potiphar knew Joseph was of high character. 
and basically knew his wife was lying, but he still had to respond. Now, how do I know that? The reason why I know that is because Potiphar, because of the accusation, was supposed to kill Joseph, and he didn't. He threw Joseph in jail. Oh, my goodness. Because Potiphar understood that Joseph was a man of high character. He knows that Joseph was somebody that was guided always by his character, by the way he showed up. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to have those people in your life that are guided by their character. I mean, good character. Because if they're motivating you to do the right thing, which was the first one, then the second one is incongruent is congruent with them is with that one as well. They got to be guided by their character. Proverbs also 16 and 11 says, the Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. Ladies and gentlemen, man, you got to be have people not only with character, but they got to be fair. Look, don't we always say about God, he's a just God, he's a righteous God and stuff like that. But when it comes to in relationship with each other, we're not that way. We never really give people the benefit of the doubt. And then I know even when you do give people the benefit of the doubt, sometimes they end up hurting you. And, and I get it. But also that goes back to we need to be, make better choices in our lives about the people that we have in our inner circle, in our lives, who we call friends. That is the whole purpose of this whole series we're talking about relationship. Everything begins and ends with relationship. You got to have those people that uh, motivate you to do the right thing. You got to have those people that are guided by their character. And then number three of the seven most important people, you got to have those who are assigned to your future. My goodness, your tomorrow people. Listen, you heard me say in episodes two or three, there are people that are assigned to your future. Like I told you about uh, my elder and one of my mentors, he's a father figure to me. Well, the, the reason why I go hard for him, the reason why uh, there's nothing that he can't ask me to do because I always will honor him in some way, shape or form is because my future, I understand that my future, he's assigned to. It. And if he's assigned to my future, therefore I must be, I must make, not only make God look good, but I got to make sure I make him look good as well. Because he always says, you're my God. And I take that real personal. You, you look at me like I'm your guy. That if I'm your guy, that means I'm assigned to you. There are people in your life that is assigned to you. That basically, in order to get from where you are to where you want to be, they're going to play a major part in it. Remember, this is all coming full circle. You're going to have to create a synergy with somebody. And you're going to have to identify that that person, he or she, is in your life for a reason. They are part of your destiny. And I'm not talking about in a romantic way. They may be part of your destiny, even getting to somebody that you want to be in a romantic way. Kind of like Ruth and Naomi. The mother-in-law, sister-in-law. Here it is. Her, her, the, uh, Naomi's son dies. Ruth was married to him. Therefore, uh, uh, Naomi said to Ruth, look, I don't have any more sons uh, to give you right now. And, and if I did have any more sons, we'd be too old. You'd be too old to marry them anyway. Ruth said, scratch all that. I'm going where you're going. Your people are going to be my people. 
because of the synergy, the relationship they had created, because of uh, Naomi always guided Ruth uh, to do the right thing. She also was a woman of character. So then what happened is Ruth always knew, also know that Naomi was also assigned to her future. Good thing that she did because it was Naomi that taught Ruth when Boaz show up to see, oh, y'all don't know who Boaz is. Boaz is the baller. Boaz represents what you want, what a woman want in, 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 in a man. He represented all of that. Naomi coached Ruth on how to get his attention, and it worked. But it would have never worked if, if Ruth didn't understand that Naomi was assigned to her future. Naomi was her tomorrow people in her future. You got to understand there are people assigned to you that are your tomorrow people. In 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 4, 6 and 7, here's another great example. It says, now David, is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Remember, we talked about Jonathan and David, that their souls were knit together. Remember, we also said those that defend you in your absence. Remember, we talked about how Jonathan defended David. Saul was like, well, where is David at? Why hasn't he come to dinner uh, in, a, in, in, a while, in a while? Jonathan said, oh, you know, he asked for permission to go eat with his brothers. Uh, they were having a party, get, get together, and he asked to go. Saul got upset, threw a javelin at his own son, Jonathan. Well, the thing about him, this is what, this is kind of people that you want. This is your tomorrow people. This is people that are assigned to your future. Jonathan had passed away because he was killed in battle. Then David, remembering his friend, honoring his friend because they were knit together. Now David is the king. David asks, is there anybody left in Saul's house that's connected to Jonathan because I want to honor him? Then the servant said, of the house of Saul, whose name was Zeba. So when they called him to David, the king said to him, are you Zeba? He said, at your service. Then the king said, is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Zeba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said, where is he? Drop down to six. Now when Mahibopheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then he said to Mahibopheth, and he answered, here is your servant. Then David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and you will restore, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat the bread at my table continually. Ladies and gentlemen, because of the relationship, of the synergy that Jonathan and David created together, because Jonathan was assigned to David's future to protect him, to get him to where he needs to be, to be the king, David comes back later and still honors Jonathan, his son, that is also handicapped, by the way, and still honors him and makes sure, look, he said, dog, you ain't gonna never have to worry about nothing. He says, I got you. And matter of fact, this is, this is the cold-blooded part. This is what I love about David. He not only did it for Jonathan's sake, but he also gave it as Saul, your grandfather, the dude that was trying to kill him, his mentor, 
he still honored him. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot belabor this point more for you. Those that are assigned to your future, your tomorrow people, tomorrow people are huge. They're major. And you got to make sure that you're motivated by them to do the right thing. You got to make sure that they're guided by their character and integrity. Because if they are assigned to you, they are assigned to get you from where you are to where you need to be. Oh my goodness, we're almost done. Number four, those who defend you in your absence. We just went over Jonathan and David. Main reason was to always defend in your absence. Listen, I know we have people, you know, you get around certain people and uh, they want to talk about others uh, while they're not there. But listen, it's, it's like that example of somebody, uh, you go over your friend's house and your friend said they were somewhere and of maybe a mutual friend of yours. And they say, yeah, uh, such and such was saying this about you, such and such. And they was going on and on. It was going on for like 30 minutes to an hour. The thing about it is you should not be getting mad about the fact that somebody was talking about you behind your back. I hope somebody gets this. I hope somebody got this before I make this point. You should be mad at the friend that is standing, the so-called friend standing in front of you that is telling you this person went on uh, 30 to 40 minutes talking about you and they did not defend you in your absence. That's what you should be upset about. That's what you need to confront. Not confronting the person that was talking behind your back. I need to know what did you do while they were talking about me behind my back? Did you defend me? Did you tell them that wasn't true? Did you just say, hey, look, why don't you take that up with him? What did you say? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, Having those people that defend your honor, having those the people that defend you, that really know you. And when they hear something from other people that's about you and they don't, and it's not the truth, they're able to stand up and say, nah, nah, nah. Look, I have some friends right now. We're, we're pretty close. We go to church together. We hang out together. There, there's some things that there are a lot of things we do together. There are some th- there's some things that people, if they came to me and said something about them, that I'll be like, nah, if it didn't line up, I'll be like, nah, that ain't it. That ain't true. I'll be like, because I know this person, such, 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 this is what they are. Now, I would suggest you may go talk to them about it, but what you're talking about doesn't add up to who I know them to be. That's how I would defend them. And my prayer is, obviously, that they would defend me in the same way. But you got to have a relationship, a synergy with people to to do that. You got to defend people. You have to defend people, especially that you call friends, especially those that have been assigned to you, especially those that when somebody is talking about somebody that you supposedly care about and love behind their back, even though it, whether it be intentional or unintentional, you be the interruption and go, hey, look, I don't know about all that. Um, and what you're saying, it doesn't line up for who the person that I know. So maybe you need to take that up with them. You got to have those people that defend you in your absence. Next thing of the seven, talking about number five, you got to have those who fear God more than they love you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me say that again. Those who fear God more than they love you. And where is that from? Proverbs 27, five through six. And it says, Open rebuke is better 
than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, you got to have some people in your life that love God so much that they're willing to tell you the truth, even if it hurts. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. And wait a minute, faithful are the wounds of a friend. So wait a minute. So it's possible that a friend can hurt you and wound you, but it also is talking about they can do it in love as well. And it's, that's better than them when it talks about uh, love carefully concealed, them talking about you behind your back. You would rather somebody be upfront with you and let you know, hey, look, look, I told you I got, <laughs> I love talking about my friends. The, the two Ks, they, look, these two women both married, uh, their husbands are good friends of mine, everything. But if I ask them a direct question, like, look, if I am I ugly? They'll look at me and go, well, you know what? Yes, you are. But there's some things that we can do. I'm just telling you, they're just honest like that. And I love them for it. That's the kind of people you want in your life. My buddies, if I ask them a question, especially my man TV, he's hilarious. If you ask this dude a direct question, he will tell you, say, well, all right, dog, if you want to hear it, and he'll just tell you. All of my buddies are like that, especially Big Rube, hilarious. If I ask him, Mac, all of all of them, if I ask him a question, a direct question, they'll be like, yay or nay. They're not going to give me no in-between. These are the kind of people that you want in your life. Those that love God and love you enough to also tell you the truth, even if it wounds you. But if they wound you, I know that the wounds, that any wounds that they deliver, it's done in love. Oh boy, I know that's a tough one to take, ladies and gentlemen. Number six of the seven, and we almost done. You need those who unlock your gratitude. Oh my goodness. You got to have people that unlock your gratitude. Remember to, remember I said gratitude has the inability to re remain hidden. Look, when somebody is grateful, look, you can't hide when, when you're grateful about something. First Samuel 25, 30 through 33 says, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done, uh, when the Lord has done for my Lord, according to all good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense to, uh, of heart to my Lord. Either that have shed blood without a cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me, and blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed for, and from avenging myself with my own hand. Ladies and gentlemen, those who unlock your gratitude. Let me tell you about this woman named Abigail, one of the probably the, the wisest women. When you talk about also a seer, she's wisdom beyond belief. David is out with his men. There's this dude named Nabal who is married to Abigail. David was protecting uh, pe uh, people or things from getting to Nabal's crops and things like that. He was, he, was, he was doing something honorable. So David asked Nabal, you know, hey, man, uh, 
I, we did all this for you. Look, we're not asking for any return. Can you just uh, give me and my men uh, some food and drink? Uh, and I would really appreciate it. Nabal was like, nah, man, kick rocks. Get out of here with that. And basically then embarrassed uh, David's men. He cut out uh, the bottom of their uh, of their robes and the whole nine. Just embarrassed and made him, made him look like, make him look like foolish. So then David got mad. Look, David's a killer. He's going to be king, but David is a man of war. So basically, David was like, oh, man. Look, she started making breads. She started making a whole bunch of stuff. Wine, water, the whole nine. Started getting a whole bunch of stuff because she understood who David was going to be. Then Abigail goes out while David's on the way. David's about, oh, I'm not a killer, but don't push me. He was on the way. He was about to do his thing. He was about to slice Nabal up. Abigail stopped. She uh, hit, goes prostrate to the ground and says, hear my Lord. And she says, here are these offerings here. Uh, you and your men have food and drink here. Just please don't do this. Why? She said this because she told him, you are going to be the king and you don't want this blood on your hands. Then David, this is what you got to love about David. Even in the middle of his anger, be angry, but sin not. Even in the middle of his anger, he goes, you know what? You're wise. And he was grateful to her that she intervened and stopped him from making a big mistake. Because basically he would, even though the guy was being an idiot, he she basically saved him from embarrassing moment of something that he probably would never live down because he just, he would have killed an innocent man. And then guess what? As her reward, Nabal ends up dying anyway. I think he fell and hit his head on a rock. Some crazy broke his neck. David, remember her, when you talk about those who unlock your gratitude, he was so grateful for her. He says, look, I'm going to make you my wife. Unlocking his gratitude. She had his best interest. She created a synergy uh, with him. There was mutual benefit, mutual pursuit, mutual respect. Look, look, look. And she didn't even know him that long. And here is David going, Oh, man, look, at you was looking out for me like that. Oh, I got to make you my wife. You have to have those people in your life that unlock your gratitude that, man, have you ever had somebody in your life that you just eternally grateful for? Those are the kind of people you want in your life all the time. If you got people in your life, you go, oh, my God, I just wish they leave. I just wish they die. I just wish they go. You may not want to continue those relationships. Those may not be healthy relationships for you. You want people that unlock your gratitude, that you're that that you know that they see the gratefulness that you have in your face, that you just light up when you see them or when y'all just hanging out, that you're just grateful that they're in your life. You need those people to unlock that in your relationships. My goodness, I hope this is helping somebody. Last one, and we almost done. The seventh one of the people you need in your life is those who inspire us to sow. My God, those that inspire us to give. Just First Chronicles 29, and it says, King David said to the assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the temple is not for, the, for man, but of the Lord. 
let me set the stage for you. This is why you want people that are uh, that inspire you to give. David, remember I said previously, I just told you David was a man of war. God wanted to build the temple, but he told David, look, you can't build the temple because you're a man of war. Whoever builds this temple will be a man of peace. And that's going to be your son, Solomon. So he says, "Okay, fine. The Lord said I can't build it. He didn't say I couldn't give to it. Oh, my goodness. You're going to have to have people in your life that inspire you to give. And because of the relationship that he had with God, he said, look, I have stored up all these treasures. And you know what? I'm going to give it as an offering to help my son build the temple for the Lord. But you know what? David was inspired to give. You got to have people that inspire to give. Not only you give to them, but they give to you. It's got to be mutual. There has to be a synergy, ladies and gentlemen. Also, 2 Corinthians 9 through 7 says, So let each one of us, as purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember, synergy is the interaction of elements or people that when combined produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual. Ladies and gentlemen, this principle is about serving other people. Whether it be any kind of relationship, you're there, both parties are there to maintain it and to serve it. And if you serve it, if there's mutual benefit, mutual synergy, mutual agreement, mutual exclusivity, it's gotta be mutual, mutual obligation. They have to be just as invested in the relationship as you are. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray you enjoyed our time together as much as I did. Thank you for tuning in to episode seven of the 10 principles for successful relationship. As per your request, we only have one more episode. Ah, yes. Before we go into our new episode, always remember new episodes release every Thursday on iTunes and Spotify at 9 a.m. Please remember to subscribe and don't just listen to these episodes just once. Get them ingrained in your spirit. Remember, faith come by hearing. And also, for anything to become a habit, psychologically, take 60 to 90 days, 66 to be exact. A special thanks to my man, Kevin Clayton. I am Music Group. One love for producing this show. My girl, Erica Duff, for the artwork. The Flow Therapy Morning Show with Coco B and Frank Nitty on the Uncommon Gospel Radio Network. Alex Teamer, a.k.a. 18, for the baseline. Pastor Warren Campbell, my pastor, and Lena Bird-Miles for This Is The Day intro. Remember to subscribe to This Is The Day on whatever podcast platform you use. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Real Pastor Wade, and Wade is spelled W-A-I-D. Remember to post any subject titles you would like discussed on This Is Day Facebook page or feedback on my Instagram stories or what you thought about the conversation. Always remember, God believes in you and so do I. Till next time, this is the day. This is always the day for breakthrough, victory, redemption. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to subscribe to This Is The Day with Pastor Wade on any podcast platform that you use. You can interact with Pastor Wade with questions, comments, or subject titles you would like discussed. 
You can follow Pastor Wade at Real Pastor Wade, that is Real Pastor W-A-I-D, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.